lot of things going on nowadays, isn't there, folks? Especially over there in the middle of the East. Or what is commonly known as the Middle East. You know the Middle East was a region that didn't always exist. What they called them Middle East used to be considered part of North Africa. But in order to distinguish the people in the Middle East from the Africans, they changed the name to the Middle East. Mainly after all of that oil was discovered there. At first, they thought there was nothing but sand. But then they discovered all of that oil and those rare earth minerals. And they had to get those things. Even before that, there was a lot of trouble in the middle of the East because during the days of the nights, they had something called the Crusades. The religious people felt that God was calling them to go into the Muslim territory and fight and die in order to recapture Jerusalem. And so there were crusades going on. There was a 100-year war sometimes. The thing that some people don't know about the crusades were that some of the children sent over there in the children's crusade were being sold into slavery by the leaders of the crusade who were pretending that they were taking them over to fight. Many of the parents who had a lot of children and couldn't take care of them found the excuse very helpful. They could get rid of them by sending them to war, not because they wanted to get rid of the burden, but because God told them to, according to their priests and prophets and the little voices in their head telling them that what they were doing was right. One of the main reasons to take Jerusalem and to go over there into the Middle East was because of the religious fanatics, the crazies, the people who are still around now. While another reason was so people could more easily get to India where they could get spices. Spices were like the oil of today. They were worth millions and people were having difficulty getting through those Islamic places in order to get spices from India and bring them back to the point where Columbus tried to sail in the opposite direction to go all the way around the world to get to India and their riches and their spices. Now it's not the spices. Now it's oil. Things have changed, but at the same time, they have remained the same. And so nowadays there is fighting and there is violence all over the world, all kinds of wars. In Gaza, people, men, working men, women and children are being slaughtered for no reason whatsoever. But there are those conspiracy theories who think they know exactly why they have been slaughtered. According to 
many news reports, the ones that aren't blocked out from the United States. There were plans to build a canal running through the southern part of Gaza, and this canal would give people a connection to the sea and to the ocean. Instead of using the Suez Canal, which the European Union and the United States doesn't want to keep depending on because there may be some type of war or something and it might become a security risk. And so they figure that they can dig a canal going through more safe territory. Also, the Suez Canal is getting very old and there's a lot of sediments falling into it so they have to keep dredging it out over and over and over again and the ships can only go one way because it's so narrow it's getting obsolete if one ship gets caught in there or wrecks in there it can stop the flow of merchandise all over the world that needs to use that canal so this new canal I think they're calling it, or they would like to call it anyway, the Ben-Gurion Canal. We get rid of all those problems. But there's one problem with that. If they go through Gaza, the people in Gaza would require them to give them some of the money that came from the use of that canal. And they would also be afraid of security risks. So what is the best cure? Make sure there is no Gaza left. No security risk. Aside from that also, a lot of liquid gas, liquefied gas, has been discovered in international waters off the coast of Gaza. This gas is very, very prevalent there. There are supposed to be trillions of tons of metric gas there. The problem is that it belongs to the Palestinians and Gaza. So the reserves cannot be tapped because according to many newscasters, Israel the last 10 or 20 years have been blocking P&E from getting to that gas. And lately in the war in 2008, after the gas fields were taken by Israel, the war ended. And so we see another plot. You see, the war in 2008 only happened after PNE made a tentative deal with Israel to get the gas from now. What I'm saying basically is that it's all about money. It's all about people in high places plotting and planning behind everybody's back. And then they use all of these various religions races, ethnicities, all of these things to whip people up, to fight against each other, to kill each other, so that they can benefit 
from the riches and they can quell their hatred and their violence that they have towards all human beings. The sadistic is what I'm talking about. And that's where we find ourselves and we're supposed to line up on one side or the other shouting and fighting about which side is right instead of looking at the leadership who are pushing manipulating weaponizing religious differences in order to attain what they want that's the world we're leading in today Excuse me, that's the world we're living in today. The question is, what are we going to do about it? I think one of the main things to do is to not allow people to hook into our wounds and our fears and our old stereotypes. Because as long as they can do that, we are in control as long as they can hook into something that has not been healed they can use us as pawns to fight against each other they can use us to commit atrocities or to agree with people who are committing atrocities as is happening right now they can do all kinds of things by keeping us wounded and by blaming that wound the hurt, the pain, and the suffering on any target they want to destroy. I spoke of healing the wounds. I spoke of that being the only way to deal with the issues. And there are many ways to heal the wounds on our website at nextstepcoaching.mysite.com you can find a lot of those in what we call practical spirituality it's using all of these practical spiritual techniques we learn day after day after day in order to heal and strengthen ourselves it's about not looking at them as metaphor or theoretically but looking at them as the medicine the medication that it takes in order to live in a world that is constantly either making the wounds that we have worse or trying to create new ones. I did a workshop a long time ago. It was called Reclaiming Your Own Identity. I remember taking pictures from various magazines of various models, TV stars, all of the people in these magazines. I put them together in a large book and I passed it around the room and I asked what these people had in common. And of course, most of them were about the same age. They all looked very good. They looked healthy. They looked happy. They had the latest haircuts, cars, all those beautiful things. Even the old ones, they were the beautiful people. And in the workshop, I talked about two things. I talked about one being the norms, the artificial norms, and the other being 
the norms of society. And the main thing I emphasized was how we see these artificial norms on TV and on the radio and every time we see performers and athletes and things like that, then we think that it's normal to have these beautiful complexions and the greatest, latest clothing and beautiful bodies and faces and all of that. And we think it's normal to live in a beautiful house and have a Jaguar or a Corvette or some fancy car. We think it's normal to go to a job that is so enjoyable where we get a chance to travel, to laugh, and things like that. And then we look in the mirror and we don't see that normal. We see what the real norms of the people look like. The real norms, like in the Philadelphia era, is that more than 70% of the people are living close to or below the poverty level, meaning most of them cannot even afford to rent a good apartment without working more than one job. Many of them don't have health insurance. They're not driving those fancy cars because they can't afford them. In truth, the bulk of the people in this country are living paycheck to paycheck, but that's not the normal they want us to see. The reason they don't want us to see that normal is because we look at all of the things around us, all of these beautiful cars, these houses, these apartment buildings, and instead of blaming the fact that there's a corrupt system that allows very few to rise to the top, most of the time, those who are related to each other or who are willing to sell out, it allows them to rise to the top on the backs of the majority of the people. But if we blame ourselves, we'll never say that. We'll never see that. And we will work harder. We'll get on that little wheel and we'll run faster and faster, chasing that carrot hoping that maybe once we've done it for 30 or 40 years, we can retire, have time with friends and family, get some social security and a pension maybe. But then something often happens then. One example was with my little brother. Excuse me, I'm the little brother with my older brother who was working for several years at FedEx and something happened with FedEx where they changed the pension plan. He was supposed to get three or $4,000 a month, but they changed the pension plan. They said he would get all the money he had, but they put a new roof on it so that you could only get a certain percentage each time. You couldn't get what was coming to you. So he ends up getting maybe a thousand dollars a month or less. Social Security, most people are getting maybe $1,800. I'm getting less than that, about $1,000 or $1,200 a month. And so the retirement becomes a nightmare. The retirement becomes scrapping, trying to live on very little money. Imagine trying to live in a house or an apartment on only 12 or $1,300 a month. 
And if you're lucky enough to have a pension, you'll maybe have 2000 or 3000 And nowadays, most people don't have pensions. Or if they do have them and a new corporation comes in and buys out the corporation they've been working with all that time. And if the first one declares bankruptcy, they take all of the money out of the pension fund. So that quick race to retirement becomes a lemmings race where we're running off the end of a cliff and doomed if there's no one around to help us to eat cat food and dog food or we find ourselves standing in Walmart greeting people at the age of 60 65 to 70, 80 years old because we can't afford to stop working. Or perhaps we go and we live in a van. We spend our retirement age in a van because that's all we can afford. Eating dog food or lettuce. Going in dumpsters maybe. Or having to leave the country. Why? Because that small group at the top said that we had to do it. And those who were not awake went along with it, never questioning it. While you are strong and while you are healthy, it is time to begin to question these things and to decide whether you are going to live a life of joy and wholeness and completeness or you're going to just keep following the crowd towards that cliff. And there's a simple way to do that. That is by cooperating with each other. That is by pooling our funds and resources. That is by creating a real group of people who work together, who may form a cooperative or something like that, where they are all running the businesses together and are sharing the profit instead of giving it to one or two people. And the funny thing is, in this country right now, everyone is free to do that. We don't do that in the United States, though. You have people coming from other countries who see the possibility. You have people who come from India who see that possibility. You have people who come from Africa who see that possibility, from Vietnam, from all these other countries. And they pool together and pool their money and resources and then... They'll do something that most people in the United States don't do, especially in the African-American community. They'll go and support that person who started the business and help it grow. In my community, when someone tried to start a business, if they were black, what would happen would be that the other people, the black folks in the neighborhood would go to it. And since it was just starting and it wasn't running totally smoothly and functioning, they'd criticize it and would work to destroy it. So it's about a mindset. And why did they do that? Wounded. Self-hating. Angry. And in that case, the wound was thinking that they deserved better. Having been stomped down, having been oppressed, having been giving little most of their lives, and after generation, generation, they felt that they deserved more respect and deserved better 
And the only reason they felt that was because of the wound. The wound of having been oppressed and beat down that was never healed and never taken care of. Looking at the norms on the TV set, knowing that they would never achieve the norms and being angry at people who looked like they were about to achieve those norms. That was the problem. And that is the problem. And until all of us begin to work on our mindset and to work to heal those wounds, we will all be self-deceiving, lost, struggling, struggling to survive in a world that is overflowing with abundance. My question is, what are you going to do? As I said, there are many different ways to deal with this, but the main way is to get rid of that sickness and to find people who are willing to work together, not stealing from each other or cheating each other, but in order to work together to create a system that works in the midst of this country in which we find ourselves creating a cooperative so that the money that is going outside to the suburbs and outside to other bases can be spent within the community and can circulate within the community to create happiness and joy and life and liberty. That is the only cure. You can go to the Negro College Fund. You can try to get a good education. You can climb the top of the ladder with your education. You get a buppy job or a yuppie job, as they called them a long time ago. Upward mobile people trying to move up to the top of the ladder. But as you do that, you will find that your expenses are going up right along with as much money as you make. So you still don't have the main thing that you need. Life. Life consists of moment to moment. Life consists of free time. And what is worth your life? And so instead of working and being poor in a little hovel, you're working. You're making a lot of money. You have a house with more rooms that are necessary that you don't even use most of the time. A fancy car that doesn't really much, really mean much of anything but it does fulfill a good norm. You have all these things, but you don't have a life. You're not doing anything meaningful. You don't have fun, real friends, family. You don't travel, you don't see the world because you're working and you're working and you're working. You're trying to find self-esteem from piling on the dollars. But if you don't have the time to enjoy that, doesn't mean anything. And so now we have young people and seniors and others who are living in vans because they are so upset with this dystopian society we find ourselves in where profit is God and where the material things are more important than the human beings. 
We have young people now committing suicide because the world that we have created is so ugly that our own children cannot stand being in it. This has to change. And such a change will really come as one changes oneself, one's way of being, one's thoughts and one's actions, one's interaction with the world. That change has to begin now. And it begins by realizing the power that we have and realizing that we are whole and complete. We do not have to look like the artificial norm. We do not have to listen to the butchers and the killers and the thieves philosophy that will determine if we are right or wrong. It's time for us to learn to listen to our own hearts and to not look at the ugliness in society, but to turn that light of awareness around to see the beauty that dwells within us. And when we can begin to see that, we will realize that we are our beauty. And we are beauty, in fact. And we can live that beauty out by finding all souls that are in harmony with that beauty. And with a hope that surpasses the desire to show up and off to gain esteem from other people. Living in truth will help us do that. And the truth that we must live in is that we are beautiful, wonderful, divine beings and we have the power to choose the life that we want. And when we all get together, when we all choose that power, and we use it for the good of all instead of just ourselves, we can create anything that we want on this earth. There's an old saying that the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. And that is how it is. It's right here as we come together in a group, but refuse to reach out and take it because we're always listening to other people and looking to other people to tell us who we are and what we are, how good or bad we are, to play us all against each other, to drum up the drums of hatred and fear and greed. Greed. It's like one person fighting and killing in order to own a grocery store that is full of goods. That's what this world has become. We have the power to stop it by stopping it in ourselves and then working to stop it in our communities. We are the fire within the fire, forever burning and forever churning. And what are we burning and churning? Love, compassion, a flame of love and compassion that burns away the hate, burns away the anger, burns away the fear, burns away everything. So that all that is left is this burning flame of compassion and love and that love at the center of that fire at the center of that flame that burns away all of the hatred and all of the pain and suffering 
that is who we are. When we realize this, there are no more wounds, there's no more pain, there's no more acting out, there's no more showing off, there's no more living a domesticated life. There is only love and joy and peace and contentment. We are that. And so thanks for being with us again. We will have another podcast to put up next week. We're glad to have you here. To find out more about us, visit us at www.nextstepcoaching.mysite.com. That is www.nextstepcoaching.mysite.com where we can tell you how to partake of all of these things and do the things that we're talking about under practical spirituality. Namaste, everybody. You can make money by just sending emails. How do you do that? On Clickly, it's an email program where you can send out emails and can receive pay for clicks and can even send out some that will make you money if someone buys a product. And the good part is that you can try it out free to see if you want it. Free? That's hard to believe. Totally. And guess what? They don't take your credit card information down or anything. It is totally free. Want to try it? Sure. Just sign up at the link below www.nextstepcoaching.mysite.com.